You know, last week as we were talking about uh, setting a new foundation, you know, we talked about how God uses our gifts to glorify Him. We talked about tithing. We talked about offerings. And, and I remember going through that season of, of forgetting to, you know, write out my check the morning of. And then when the tithes uh, were being prayed over, I, I forgot to give. And one of the things my wife and I, uh, one of the things that Heidi and I do is we make sure that we set that aside right away. And that way I remember when I come Sunday morning and I already have it in my pocket. In fact, yesterday uh, I was with someone and, and they said, you know, I'm not going to be in church tomorrow. And they took out their tithes and it was in an envelope and they said, can you put this in the offering bucket for us? And I thought, you know, that takes a lot of discipline. It really does. Because I know our hearts are for God. We want to do things for the Lord. It's just sometimes we forget. So that's just a tip, you know, to help us remember. And that has helped me tremendously to remember. So thank you in your hearts for giving because many people are coming to know Christ. There's kids and our youth and uh, our seniors ministry that, are, that are, are advancing the kingdom of God because of your hearts to give. And so never forget that when we put it in the hands of the Almighty God, He extends it farther than what we could ever possibly imagine. So thank you for your hearts in giving. When you came in, you're given your bulletin. And if you're new this morning, there is a place that you can uh, take notes on. There's a little uh, note-taking area. So you can take that out and then follow along. And if you have been here for the past couple of weeks, you know we've been talking about setting new foundations. When we kicked off the year, we talked a little bit about our new life resolution. Some people put together resolutions, and it has since expired after this first month in January. Now we're into the second week in February, and tomorrow, yes it is, Valentine's Day. And as Pastor Charlie was saying, if you have not gotten your gift yet, start already. Think it through. Plan it out. Because when tomorrow hits, and if you're not ready, you're done. So make sure you plan that out. Some of you might want to just kick start it off, go see our seniors in the courtyard afterwards, and go get your sweetheart a little something. Maybe a piece of chocolate that they love or a cupcake of some kind. Maybe you can put your initials in it. You know, Heidi loves Sheldon. You know, something like that. And, and, you know, one of those deals. But it is Valentine's Day. Did you know that God is the inventor of love? That He's the one that brought love to us. Human beings do not have enough in us to love. We don't have enough in us. To have that kind of unconditional love. We have a conditional love. God is the only one who has an unconditional love. When my son was a whole lot younger, he's 23, right? Well, he's going to be 23. But when he was, you know, younger, we had this game console called Nintendo. And some of you guys would remember that. It came out like long after Atari. And it was this, you know, this video game that, that you could play different types of video game, uh, video games. And so I would be playing this with them, but there was this one game that I was playing, and you had to save in order to keep everything that you played. If you did not save and you turned it off, you lose everything. Well, I was on that thing for a couple of hours, and my son, Justin, he came in, and 
He said, Dad, let's go outside and play. And I said, okay, wait, I'm almost done. Hang on. This is my kid now telling the dad this. And I said, hang on, I'm almost finished. And he stands in front of the TV and he says, Dad, Dad, let's go play outside. I said, okay, hang on, I'm almost done. Move, I can't see. And then he said, okay. And he moved on the side, but he accidentally kicked the cord out of the wall. And there went my game. I said, what happened? And he looked at the ground and the cord came out. And I said, Justin, you, you kicked the power cord. The game is gone. And I didn't save. The game is lost. All of my hours of hard work, gone. And he did this. <laughs> he looked at me and said, sorry, Dad. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. And he says, you lost everything? I said, yeah. He said, oh, so let's go play outside then. <laughs> Now, I wasn't happy that, you know, the thing was done and, and I lost all of that. I didn't like the fact that, that my game was gone. I wasn't thankful that that happened. I didn't love the fact that that happened, but I sure did love my son. My wife, Heidi, was uh, recording these different shows, and I guess there was not enough memory on that, you know, the recording, the DVR, the digital video recorder. So she had to delete some things. Well, I record a lot of sporting events because I don't, you know, I don't sit down and just watch it. I can actually fast forward through it. So I record a lot of sporting events, you know, football games or basketball, uh, UFC and things like that. So I come home and I'm about to watch some of my sports shows. And I said, and, I, and I'm thumbing through it and I said, Heidi, um, Where's the sports uh, game that I recorded? She goes, oh, it should be there. You had like 15, so I deleted like a couple of them. And I said, um, they're all gone. And she said, no, 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 I only deleted the ones that you already watched. And I said, okay, show me where they are. And she was thumbing through it. And then she said, oh, yeah, it's gone. And I said, okay, so I looked through other things. You know, the, the football games were gone. Then I looked for the basketball games, gone. Looked for UFC, gone. And I said, where are all my sporting events? She goes, oh, I might have accidentally erased everything. <laughs> and that was it. And I said, so how come all your things are on? She goes, because I didn't erase it. I said, was that, was that on accident? She goes, do you think I would erase it on purpose? I didn't answer because inside I was thinking, yes, but on the outside, no way you say that. That's a big fight. I didn't love the fact that all of my sports were erased. I didn't love it that it was all gone. I didn't love the mistake that happened, but boy, boy do I love Heidi. Can you catch what I'm saying this morning? That God is... God is no different with us. Whether we make a mistake, whether we sin, whether we purposefully do something that goes against the will of God, oh, he may not love what we've done, but boy, does he love you. He may not love the decisions that we make that are against him or are disobedient to him, but boy, does he love you. Now, how does, that, how does that play out in our life? Because if God is love, then how does that affect us? Because we can mix up God's love for everyone with God's love for everything. 
And we think, well, God loves everything. No, no, not necessarily. God loves everyone. Not what everyone does. Because we can tend to think, okay, how can God love everybody? I mean, just because, God, just because God loves everyone, does that mean He loves everything everyone does? Well, Romans 5, 6 through 8, it tells us this, that when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us, what? Sinners. He died for us sinners. Now, no one is likely to die for a good person. Though someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Every single one of us is affected by God's love in one way or another. And we can all make the difference in the lives of those who surround us for the cause of Christ by understanding how God loves everyone. You see, we have to understand this first, that God accepts me just as I am. And if He accepts me just as I am, He accepts everybody just as they are. And if you're taking notes, you can write in that statement that God loves me just the way I am. But how can God love me just the way I am? How does He do that? I mean, think about it. How can He, how can he just love people just the way they are? What about evil people? What about people who do uh, evil things? What about people who don't even think about God, don't even love God, don't even have a relationship with God? Does God still love them? What about the people who, who are in prison that have done harsh things to people? Does God still love them? What about the people who you see on the news or you see documentaries about? Does God still love them? Well, 1 John 4, 8, it does say this, He who does not love God does not know God. For God is love. Now, just because somebody doesn't know God does not change the fact that God doesn't love or does love. Just because people rebel against God or we rebel against God does not change the fact that God loves us. He's not like shifting sands or winds that shift. His love for us is sure because God is love. That's His character. God is love, so He responds in love. He doesn't love what we do that are harsh, that are mean, that are evil. But boy, does He sure love us. God responds in love because He is love. Think about it. If... If the dad is, let's just say, dad is angry at something, and you ask him for something, how will he respond? He'll most likely respond in anger. If he's angry and he's not having a good time, let's just say you're helping him build something. That, we can already see the picture of that. He's trying to build something, and it's not working correctly, and the screw is not going in or something, and you're helping him. And you're trying to give him advice, and he's angry. He's going to respond in anger. Let's just say mom is grouchy. How will she respond when you ask her something? With a grouchy attitude, sometimes. But that's because that's where we are in that mood. Or our kids. If our kids are moody, let's just say they're, you know, they're just not having the best day. Maybe our teenagers or even our young adults or, or our little kids or grandchildren. 
If they're moody and you ask them something, won't they respond with that same kind of mood? Yeah. Why? Because that's what's on the inside. That's what's going on. Well, God is love, so he always responds in love. God disciplines those whom he loves. Even when God disciplines us, he responds in love. Why? Because God is love. But how does God love everyone? I mean, how does he love everyone? Because with, with dads and moms and, and as parents, as people, our moods change. But God's love doesn't change. See, the best time to ask dad for something is not when he's angry, is it? It's when he's in a good mood. So kids, when dad is in a good mood, that's when you ask for money. Don't ask when he's not doing good. Wait for it to be in him in a good mood. When, 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 when mom is grouchy, that's not when you ask for your friends to sleep over. Not when she's grouchy. And don't go tell your friends, ask your mom. Wait till she's not grouchy. Because they're going to respond that way. Same thing with our kids. When they're in a bad mood, that's not the best time to say, take out the trash. It'll just get worse and worse. Why? Because that's how we are as human beings. And for some reason, we twist that around and we think, well, God must be like that. That God must respond in that way because that's, I'm going through this, so it must be God doing this to me. The reason why I'm going through this difficult season must be because I did something wrong. And then we put it on God, forgetting that God loves us. Now, we may suffer some consequences of our mistakes, but God didn't cause that mistake. God doesn't force us to disobey Him. We make our own decisions. But it doesn't change the fact that God loves us just as we are. And because God loves us just as we are, here's what we can apply to our very own lives. That we can see others in this kind of way, pass their faults. We can see others pass their faults. Now, how do we see others pass their faults? Because it's easy to find fault in people. Now, remember where we've come from. And if we remember where we've come from, then it's, it's a whole lot easier for us to see past people's faults. When we remember where we've come from and how God has seen us through and has pulled us through and has loved us through that season, now we can in turn see past people's faults and see where they're at. Not their fault or what they're doing or their sin or their mistake. Whether it's our kids, our coworkers, our boss, our family members. We got to remember where we've come from. Especially if you've been a Christian for a long time. And maybe somebody is, is, is a Christian also, but they may, not, they may not have grown to that maturity level yet. Maybe they're still learning about God, but we put so much expectations on them because we understand where we're at with God. Maybe we've gone through a lot of those things. But now all we do is look at people's faults, but we've forgotten where we've come from. That we've, had, we've had faults too. We still do. But it's easier for us to see past people's faults when we understand where we've come from. The Bible says it like this, Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5. It says, Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. Jesus is speaking these words. Such strong words. You hypocrite. 
First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In other words, what Christ is saying is, you're not in the condition to judge someone else. You're not in the condition. First, get that out of yourself first because you're looking for that fault. Get that out of you. Get the right heart. Now you're able to help someone else. But if there's that still in there, if it's still lingering, then how are you able to help someone else? You're not able to. In fact, the comparison of a speck to a log, what Christ was saying is when we do that, we're worse than them. Our fault is a whole lot bigger than theirs. It's a log size fault compared to a little speck. When we were young, we had this tree house and we would climb up the tree to, to get to the places where we needed to. And my cousin, Kaleo, was climbing up the tree and I was right behind him, climbing up, looking up where to grab. But a piece of bark went into my eye. And when that happened, I was done. I could not see. I'm trying to get the bark out. I'm rubbing my eye and I'm trying to get up. And so I get to a, a safe place and he's trying to get the bark out of my eye. And we're little kids, so he's you know, blowing into my eye. He's trying to dig it out and I'm saying, ah, that's it, I can't, I can't already. And it stayed there for a day. And I thought it would go away. I'm trying to get it out. And I don't know where it is. All I know is just irritated. Tried to rinse out my eye and everything. The next morning I got up, it was still there. I couldn't get it out. It was so irritating. Finally, my sister got it out, you know, and everything, oh, everything was good. I could see clearly now. And it felt so much better. Well, that's what the Bible is talking about. That now I got, I got this thing out, now I can see better. I can see clearer. And I understand when someone goes through the same thing. So after that day, when we would climb trees and someone would climb up, I said, hey, when you climb, don't look up because bark can fall in your eye. Just don't. Just, just look where you're going and then when somebody clears, then you can look up. But I understood what happened. And then when somebody would get bark in their eye, I could, I could sympathize with them. And it's irritating. I said, oh, no, I understand. I know what you're talking about. Don't rub it. Don't do that. In fact, just let it go a little bit. Rinse it now. Don't wait because I... All day I would play and play and play and it got worse. So go rinse it now. And that's what the Bible is talking about. When you've gone through something, now you're able to help someone when you yourself have cleaned that out. But if we're just judging other people, oh, that log is still there. In fact, people with the speck in their eye, when we start judging them, they can see the log in ours. And they're thinking, why are you telling me that when you yourself have that log in your own eye? You see, God's love for everyone does not judge everyone in that kind of way. God's love for everyone draws them near to Him in His embrace, and His love changes us. Now, if we have relationship with people, like I have relationship with certain people, and I see them doing things that are not pleasing to God because they opened up their life to me, and they said, you know, when you see me going off the edge, let me know. I let those people know. I can go straight to them and say, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? You, you're, you better speak better to your wife. That's not how you're supposed to speak. You know, we can do that because we have a relationship with people. But other than that, God gives me enough love and compassion because I've gone through certain things. So now I can see past people's faults, not look at their faults. See, we, we, when we understand God's love, 
that it's about the person, not their perfection, then we're able to understand that God is all about relationship. That that's what he's after. He's not, he's not in the business of pointing out what we're doing wrong. He's, he's in the business of relationship, withdrawing us close to him. That's his heart. And if you're taking notes, you can write that second statement that God focuses on relationship. He focuses on relationship. And just because God loves me just as I am doesn't give me the excuse not to let him mold me and shape me and fashion me and change me. Because we tend to think, well, God accepts me just as I am, so just leave me alone. I understand. But I've learned that God accepts me just as I am, but he loves me more than where I am. That he can see who I'm becoming, not just who I am. Sure, he loves me just as I am. Sure, he loves us just as we are. But he sees so much more in our lives. Wouldn't you want to see what God sees for you in your life? Then there must be some adjustments made. And God will make those adjustments. Remember when Peter denied Christ? Christ is then crucified. Peter goes back to his old life. Then Jesus is resurrected and then he speaks to Peter. But he doesn't focus on what Peter had done. He focuses on who Peter is becoming. And he says this in John 21 verse 17. He, says, he said to him the third time and he's talking to Peter. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now prior to that, Jesus asked him twice, do you love me? Not once did he say, hey, you know, Peter, remember like some months ago? Remember, remember that time where you were disobedient to me and then, and then, oh, and then remember the other time you, you, um, you, you, you said that, oh, you never, I'll never, I'll never turn away from you. Remember that time? Remember a couple of days ago when I went to the cross? You denied me and the rooster crowed. Remember that? Wasn't I accurate? Wasn't I telling you the truth? I told you that would happen. Why did you disobey? Why did you do that? So the rooster crowed. Why did you deny me? But Peter, do you love me? I mean, think about how Christ disciplines us. He doesn't point out the fault. He just, he just starts where we're becoming more like him. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Oh, I'm sure Peter felt, he felt the pain of what he had done. But at the same time, he also felt the healing of what Christ was doing. You see, when we find fault in people, it doesn't bring healing. It brings pain. But when we bring God's love, that brings healing. Because God's love covers a multitude of sin. It brings healing to our body. Therefore, here's, here's what we can apply. Build godly relationships with people. Build godly relationships with people. There are many people who are looking for the truth. And maybe all the junk that you and I have gone through that Christ has rescued us from... He wants to use that so that others can come to know him. Maybe that's why we, we've, we've gone through what we've gone through, have come to Christ, and Christ has changed our lives. Not so that he just rescues us, but so that we now in turn can understand when people go through what they go through, and now we can help them. In fact, that's what 2 Corinthians 1.4 tells us. It says that he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. 
When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. See, in the same way that God came alongside of us, we are to do the same for others. That's what he called us to do. Listen, hurt people hurt people. But God lets healed people heal hurt people. We can't bring healing to people in the name of Jesus when we ourselves are still dealing with hurt. Because hurt people hurt people. But God lets healed people heal people. If we're dealing with certain hurts, get back to the cross. Get back to Christ. Say, Christ, I'm dealing with these things. Can you heal me? Because it all comes back to his love for us. When I first came to church, I, I, I did not appear like this. I did not appear with, you know, dress pants and nice shoes and tur- uh, my shirt tucked in, ironed, and entered church. I came in with a trench coat and gold chains around my neck and muffler burns on my neck. <laughs> Parents, you might have to explain that a little bit to your kids. But no one ever said anything. They never judged me. Oh, they might have behind my back, and I'm sure people did. But they loved me into the kingdom of God, and God changed me, as the Bible says, from glory to glory. He just changed me from glory to glory. And so when I, when, when I see people who come to church, I understand. I understand that you love God. I understand you love God with all your heart. I understand how it feels that you come to church feeling like somebody's going to judge you. But not God. God doesn't do that. He, he opens his arms to us just as we are. That's why it's important for us to build godly relationships because people feel, and I've, I, I, I felt like this, I, I don't know if I should come to church because what if somebody says something about how I dress, about what I look like? What if, what if they... What if they put me in a category? It's interesting. We'll put people in categories before we love them with the love of God. And we'll label people. And we'll start separating people. God never does that. He says, you're all my people. I've created every single one of you. See, when we understand that we're no better than the other person, then, then we understand that God loves everyone. Then when we understand that, we no longer judge others according to their flaws and mistakes or even their lifestyle because number three, God is the supreme judge. He is the supreme judge. He's the highest judge. There's no one above him. There's no one that comes close to him. We judge according to the evidence of what we see and intuition. God judges according to truth and righteousness. Romans 2.16, it says the day will come the day will surely come when God, by Jesus Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. And Paul says, this is my message. Paul was the one who knew about judging. Because before he met Christ, that's all he did. He looked for Christians. He looked for people who had fault. And he threw them in prison because they were following Christ. They were not following the so-called laws. And he threw them in prison. Some were even killed, martyred for Christ. 
When Paul met Christ, changed his entire life. Then he understood, wait a minute, it's not about what they're doing. It's who they're becoming in the Lord. See, to judge means to approve. That's who God is. Or to have control over with the power of giving judicial decisions. See, God is the only person who can do that. Because he's supreme judge, he's the only one who can make accurate judicial decisions. He's the only one who can do that. Because he doesn't judge how we judge. Therefore, if God is the supreme judge, here's our application. And you can write this in. Love people, not judge them. Love people, not judge them. Now, God doesn't say love the sin or lifestyle, but he also says don't judge them. Because people will often ask, well, where does New Hope stand on certain issues? Where do they stand on sex outside of marriage? Where do they stand with homosexuality or lesbianism? Where does the church stand on that? You see, the answer that I give is the same stance we have on adultery. The same stance we have on theft. The same stance we have on lying or cheating or stealing or rebellion or gossip or self-righteousness. We stand on the Word of God. It's plain and simple. Can you see how we can categorize people and we say, well, where does the church stand on this issue? Listen, we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'd say, let's not put people in categories. Christ never did that. In fact, who did Christ hang around with often? Sinners. That's who he hung around with. And it was the sinners who, because of his love, started to ask questions. Then he could answer them with the love of God. And now because Christ lives in us as Christians, we're to be Christ-like. If Christ were to come back today, I wonder if he would find us loving on sinners. Or would we be huddled up with just Christians judging other people? Or would he see us huddled with sinners, loving them with the love of God in the hopes that they find Christ, that they find true love? Not because we're any better, but because we've lived with bark in our eyes so long that we understand what it feels like to be distant from God, to be apart from God. Judging people will never draw them closer to God It'll never draw them closer to the heart of God. Loving them will. That's how we came to know God. Because someone loved us into his kingdom. John 13, 35. It says this. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Sometimes we have a difficult time understanding how God can love everyone. Causing us to love conditionally. Maybe we need to be reminded that in the eyes of God... We're a beautiful creation, regardless of how we see ourselves. And God sees those whom we may judge as beautiful too. Could you say amen to that? I'd say amen to that. Let God work on that part. Because everyone in his sight is beautiful. Hi, Sierra. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Doing right? Yeah.
Daddy, can I give Cindy a Valentine's card? Are you sure? Yes, because Jesus loves her. She's, Jesus thinks she's beautiful. I think so, too. Oh, boy, they make me follow stuff like that. We bow our heads for a moment and let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful that you love us unconditionally. Boy, there are times where we ourselves doubt your love for us. Sometimes we doubt doubt your love for other people. But today, Lord, I I think we've learned that it's so much more than what we see, that your love is unconditional. And so right now, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that has never connected with you, they've never experienced your love for whatever reason, and they have never called upon your name, they've never built a relationship with you, I pray right now that they would accept you as their God. And if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ for whatever reason, I'm going to say a prayer You can repeat after me and and say the prayer, but mean it with all your heart. And here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I want to be the person that you created me to be. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again. To give me eternal life. And if you just said that prayer, with every head bowed and eyes closed, could you just lift the hand? I want to pray for you. Go ahead, lift that hand, and Lord sees your hand. Heavenly Father, you see the hands, the hearts, you heard their prayer. Lord, I pray as they have received you, that from this day forward, they will continuously build their relationship with you. And even though they'll have days that don't go well, they will never forget that you love them unconditionally. You can put your hands down. Lord, for many of us this morning, boy, sometimes we go through seasons and we've forgotten where we've come from as Christians. And maybe we've had eyes that were no longer like yours, but it it became, we've developed eyes like us as human beings. And we've been judging people. Lord, can you cleanse our hearts, renew our mind, give us your perspective so that we can love people into your kingdom. After all, that's what you've done with us. You sure may not like or love what we do, but boy, do you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen.